Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. In today's episode, I'm joined with Amanda Welton. Amanda is a holistic anxiety coach who helps people overcome anxiety through natural nervous system regulation. She is the creator of Lavender Tusk, a psycho-spiritual community with the goal of normalizing mental health, nature therapy, and being human and multidimensional. She coaches from a space of lived experience, having experienced anxiety, depression, PTSD, and trauma from a car accident and a long-term toxic relationship. Currently, Manda runs Lavender Tusk part-time, and her day job is a community and housing outreach worker, helping with people experiencing homelessness. Highlights of today's episode include, Amanda shares her personal struggle with anxiety and depression, and how she uses her lived experience to help others. We learn about Amanda's holistic and more fulsome approach to support mental health. And Amanda and I discuss some of the best ways of connecting with nature to help calm anxious thoughts. Here we go with Amanda Welton. Welcome back, everyone, to the Have You Ever podcast. I am pleased today to have Amanda Welton on the podcast. Amanda, how are you? Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I'm doing well today. So before we get started, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Michael mentioned, my name is Amanda. I'm the creator of Lavender Tusk, which is a psycho-spiritual healing community. And I come from a background of animal care, um, as my cats are bothering me here right now. Um, and I had, my journey brought me to uh, complete uh, yoga teacher training um, about six years ago. And then that had led me to teaching yoga at a nonprofit for mental health and substance use. And through that experience, I wanted to learn more as to how to help people in that capacity. Cause at the time I, I didn't feel like I had that lived experience or experience with either friends or family to hold that space fully. So I just wanted to educate myself more. Um, And I ended up finding a spiritual psychotherapy program that I started in 2016. Um, When I started that program, it was a a two-year part-time program, and I did end up completing the first year. In going into the second year, I experienced a car accident uh, that, that put things on hold. Um, and, uh, I'm still kind of putting the pieces back together after that experience, but I'm grateful for every opportunity that I have, um, that I have had since then, um, through these experiences, I now currently am working full-time, um, with people experiencing homelessness. Um, and then I'm running Lavender Tusk as a part-time business. Although my goal is to move into running Lavender Tusk as my full-time, um, as my full-time career moving forward. Can you tell our listeners, you've kind of led me to kind of, I kind of know why the you've started Lavender Tusk, but just a little bit more about the business itself. Yeah, absolutely. So the name Lavender Tusk comes from um, the word lavender, which in is in reference to uh, meaning like a feminine and rare, unique color. And then Tusk is in reference to an elephant, which in, in 
creating the name for me um, meant sacred awakening from um, like the Eastern cultures. So when I put those words together, to me, they mean feminine awakening. And that's really the the energy that I'm trying and space that I'm trying to hold. So when I got into starting Lavender Tusk, it really was originally a, a community to, for me, when I started my psychotherapy training to just build community and educate people. And it really quickly turned into a space of lived experience to hold space for people and normal and advocate for um, not only being human, but essentially everything related to mental health as well. There's so much stigma um, around anxiety, depression, anything we consider essentially mental illness. And I really just wanted to normalize these experiences because the more we remove that stigma, um, the more we can remove this shame associated with and create those safe spaces for people to come um, and gather and even just ask for help. So Lavender Tusk has really shifted since I very first started it years ago. Um, and it has now shifted into what I would say is um, it's our, our my main focus is really um, gathering and community. And I try to do that as nature based as possible. So I do host monthly retreats right now as well, um, where it's it's an opportunity to gather, be in nature, step away from screens, step away from that isolation that again, especially over these past couple of years, people may be experiencing. Um, and I really want it to be an accessible and affordable space to be because through my own lived experience as well, that has been big barriers uh, within the system of care that are currently held um, is that lack of accessibility and affordability. So those are some of the values that I bring forward in Lavender Tusk currently, and I'm looking forward to to how things grow in into the new year as well. So you know, you've mentioned a little bit that you had dealt with this car accident and, you know, some of the feelings of, you know, anxiety and depression around, you know, what had happened. So, you know, after that accident that you had mentioned, how were you coping prior to, you know, finding now, I would say a more inner peace. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that question. Um, so I would say, so yeah, just to expand a little bit more and share some of the the experiences that I had, um, through the car accident, there was like, again, we're, we're multi-dimensional beings as humans. So for me, the, the biggest impact that most people, I feel like when something like that happens is that physical, physical aspect. So, um, like my back was broken, part of my hand was broken, part of my back teeth were broken. So that's the immediate thing that everyone goes to is like, Oh my gosh, got to make sure all of that is fine. Um, and what I really noticed over, um, the, the main, the first year was really the biggest, um, for me was, just the lack of acknowledgement towards the the mental, again, the mental aspects uh, towards that healing and the mental health and those impacts. And so the I ended up being diagnosed with um, an anxiety disorder and an adjustment disorder, as well as depression and PTSD from this car accident. And so I, I would say even within that year, I when I reflect back, I wouldn't even say that I was coping. I was actually just still in that survival mode, because I think a lot of the, again, another big gap in our, our system of care is that there there's not really acknowledgement towards like nervous system regulation. So again, I was like in a hospital bed in a back brace and people think, Oh, there she is. She's healing. Just time is going to move things forward. 
And I remember it was a couple of weeks after the accident and my face had broken out in, in acne, like the most severe acne I'd had since like being a teenager. And I couldn't understand why that was. And, and I ended up speaking with someone and they were explaining that your system, um, your nervous system is in complete stress still, even though the accident has happened, even though you're laying here in a hospital bed, you're, you're still on this high alert of this fight or flight and survival response mode. And so I'd say prior to the accident, um, I honestly don't know how I would cope with, with stresses and stuff. I don't think I really was. Um, and I think that is one of the blessings that I look, um, that I, I can have that perspective shift on throughout my experience is that, um, I'm more aware than ever of, um, being in touch with my body and my mental health and my boundaries and how to move forward for myself. So I apologize. I tend to go on tangents, but I hope I answered your question there. Michael. No, absolutely. No, <laughs> I think I know the answer just from what you've kind of gone on now, but why do you feel so passionate then about helping others with their anxiety and their depression? Absolutely. So yeah, I'd say it's definitely from my lived experience and not only the lived experience that I have, but knowing that there is that other side that you can get to. So often when, again, in, in the systems that I experience, it's a lot of symptom management. So it's like, okay, you're diagnosed with this and that's kind of it. And, and a lot of times when that label gets put on someone, they then identify with it and then they take that forward and they may then use that as a crutch moving forward. And it, can almost um, stunt them, I would say, in some ways where we then begin, begin using that as an excuse. And so one of the biggest things that I like to advocate for is um, diagnoses and labels can be helpful and harmful. So um, it was really helpful for me to know that what I was experiencing was anxiety, but then who I was as a person, I took that into my own hands to explore more and um, decide what that looked like for me. So for example, they the going through the care system of care that I did, I was then just placed on anxiety medication and I wasn't okay with that. I, I didn't just want that to be the answer of, okay, well, well here now, now you're on this and, and maybe just move forward that way. I wanted to question this and I wanted to move forward in a different way. So I like to hold this space because one, I'm norm. I like to advocate and normalize again, all things, mental health and all things that are part of the human experience. I, mental health is just a big part of what I am here for, but anything that I chat about with the people that I'm working with, um, nothing is off limits. Nothing is taboo to me. I, I'm never going to shame you for sharing something that's um, going on for you. And I really think that that's why I'm able to hold this space in the way I do, because I do hold it from a place of non-judgment. Um, and it's a safe space for you to let out what you need to move forward that way. And again, I want to be providing hope to people that, oh, okay, I received this diagnosis. That's not the end of the world for me. It doesn't just mean, oh, here it is what it is. And this is it for the rest of my life. Um, so those are some of the reasons that I'm so passionate about holding this space for people. Well, I think as you've mentioned, you know, having lived through that yourself and going through everything that you have, and you've kind of gone past the other side and, you know, gone through that healing process, I think it helps you a lot more helping someone else now who's going through it as well. So what would you say are some of the most common reasons that many of your clients feel worried or anxious? Yeah. So I, there tends to be common, um, themes with anxiety. Um, and often, oftentimes they fall into categories, um, such as like finances, um, family and career, 
different, different fears around, um, like potentially death and things like that. So the way that I look at anxiety and the way that I work with people on anxiety is they tend, one thing I want to mention too, before I chat about this is a lot of the times people have a misconception that if we're working on, um, overcoming anxiety, that it means that they're going to move forward feeling no anxiety for the rest of their life. Um, that's not true as humans, we actually want to experience some anxiety and that is normal. Um, anxiety that becomes, um, when anxiety becomes overwhelming, that's when it poses a problem. And again, that's unique to each individual. So someone else might have a higher um, example tolerance to, mm-hmm. to whatever it is that's going on. And maybe they never need to ask for help in that way. Or maybe it just takes them longer to get to their threshold of needing to ask for help. It, we define when anxiety is interfering with our life. And most of the time, that's when, I mean, I kind of defined it there, but it's when it's interfering with our life in terms of like avoidance, or we're feeling that we're holding ourselves back from from living the life that we want to. So with that being said, um, a lot of the times anxiety falls into to two different thinking patterns. If we're talking about anxiety from negative thoughts, it often comes from what we call catastrophizing. So what that means is thinking the worst. So if we're, we're worried about something, it's the worst possible outcome. The other, the other way that we can kind of, and they do tend to, they can overlap and they can tie and people can experience both. Um, but the other way that we can kind of experience those anxious thoughts is, is related to what we call overestimating the risk. So what that means is, um, for example, for me, that this was one of my lived experience, um, experiences was after the car accident, I then thought every time I got in the car, I was going to be in an accident again. Mm -hmm. So I was overestimating the likelihood of, um, of experiencing a car accident. So that's often what can happen with anxious thoughts as well. Um, is that we think that, Oh, um, it, it can often be tied to a traumatic event, not always. Um, but something happens and then we think that it's really likely going to happen. So one thing I'll mention as well, Michael, is, um, I take a very holistic approach to, to, um, working with the people that I do. And one of the things I like to mention is that, um, anxiety isn't only our thoughts. And what I mean by that is that's often a big, a big root cause is those anxious thoughts. And if we can learn um, to change that cycle of thinking, then we can interrupt those patterns and, and move forward in a different way. I like to explain to people that because anxiety is a cycle of physical, behavioral, and the thoughts that we experience, um, there's different ways that we can um, interrupt that cycle to break it and change change how we want to move forward. And so with that being said, no matter how much mindset work we do on anxious thinking, um, if someone's physical nervous system is in that fight or flight response, response, um, we're not going to be able to remove that anxiety or lessen it. And so what I mean by that is, uh, that holistic approach is really about balancing hormones, nervous system regulation, making sure our body is receiving the nutrients and capacity that it needs to be able to hold a regulated nervous system. So then we can regulate our thoughts, um, as well. And then to me, there's a spiritual aspect behind our energy as well. So again, I, I share a lot, but <laughs> thank you for listening. You know, you're saying it's not very simple. It's not just a simple answer. Yes. You know, it's, it's not just take this pill and you're done. It, exactly. it is a full body approach, which I think is a much better way of approaching these kinds of things. In your experience with some of these clients, would you say that recently you're seeing more of these people struggling or less? 
Um, I would definitely say, um, so I'm seeing an influx of people, um, wanting to work with me one-on-one. There's definitely more of a need. And I, I reflect on that being, um, because of the state of the world right now, I think that we are, um, much more on screens a lot more often. I think we're isolated a lot more. Um, so again, that's a big part of, um, my community is addressing those two things. So bringing people together through community and then getting back into nature, um, and as well with my one-on-one clients, I'm also providing um, those same values and spaces. So I do have an office that's on a horse farm where people can come for in-person um, appointments with me. And so we are creating that in-person human connection. Um, we can go and be with the horses. We can be outside. And I'm, I'm really big on, again, that nature aspect. And I think just to, to, to point to what you were saying as well with it being um, that whole body experience, and it's not just that simple answer. Um, in the same way that I, I see so many courses and programs these days that are very cookie cutter of like, Oh, just take like, Oh, do this course. You'll overcome anxiety. Um, and unless you are really working with, um, with that, that person individually, yes, there again, just as I explained with the anxious thoughts of there being two typical patterns. Um, but un- unless you're addressing with that individual, what their root causes are, um, and where their, um, imbalances are, then again, things can be missed. So someone could go through, a, a, like, again, a 12 week course on anxious, uh, removing anxious thoughts. But if they are, for example, drinking caffeine on an empty stomach every morning, um, not eating breakfast, things like that where their nervous system is completely (laughs) like shot, then no matter how many anxious thoughts you work to address, your body's still going to be vibrating. You're still going to feel on edge. You're still going to be restless. So, um, that's where I really learned that, that holistic approach, because again, it was through my experience that, oh yeah, you can't just change your thoughts. There's other aspects here coming into play. Before we get into kind of some of the more specific things that you do to try to help some of your clients with that holistic approach, sort of one other question, can you talk a little bit about highly sensitive people and kind of what attributes you might find in someone who is highly sensitive and kind of what tools or strategies you would use to help uh, some of these individuals? Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that question. So I, it was through, again, my own experience of identifying as a highly sensitive person that I had just kind of gone through life. I, I was deemed too sensitive through most of my life. I'm, I'm, so different, different symptoms that can kind of come up or not even symptoms, but different traits that can come up are things like, again, being told that you're too sensitive, um, bright lights, bright screens, very loud noises can be quite bothersome and disruptive, um, to like the sensory aspects of what's going on for you. Things like, uh, working in jobs that are considered what you would consider like meaningless can be very draining like emotionally and energetically. Um, Dr. Elaine Aaron is the psychologist that came up with the term highly sensitive person. Um, and just a note on this as well, Michael, I, it's one of, again, it's one of those things where diagnoses can be helpful or harmful. Um, and the way that, again, our system of care moves forward these days, I find that everything that strays away from the quote normal, which again, who defines what normal is, um, everything that steps away from that is then deemed a disorder. So now if someone is considered a highly sensitive person, they actually, if you were to go see your doctor, you would be diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, which basically means that, um, you can't, 
your, your brain takes in so much of what's going on that you get overwhelmed. So another thing is you often need time alone to recharge and things like that. Um, there's a lot of overlap between like introverts, highly sensitive people, um, um, even there's a personality trait um, called INFJ, and that's based on the Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, so through those personality tests, the INFJs can often fall into the category of being an HSP. There's a lot of online tests you can do to determine if you're an HSP. Um, and it's something I, I used to talk about a lot more. Now I find um, I leave it a little bit more, um, more open because again, a lot of there's a lot of overlap between people experiencing anxiety and then people being highly sensitive. Um, so if working with someone, I feel like they are really falling into that category of being highly sensitive. Um, I will integrate that into, um, my one-on-one -on -one work with them, um, a little bit differently than if it's someone that's just experienced, not just, it's still important, but experiencing anxiety. So yeah, I, I hope that that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're, it's just hard to kind of differentiate at some points and you're, yes. yeah. So for those who are willing to try a more holistic approach to their healing or any anxiety that they're feeling, any types of um, services, so what are kind of those specific approaches that you take uh, to help with others? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like the actual anxiety coaching that I would be taking that holistic approach working with someone, I kind of view it in three different um, components. So there's the physical, the mind, and then the spirit. So from the physical aspect is what I've kind of referenced already, where um, we want to be supporting the physical body to be able to hold that space and capacity for a regulated nervous system. So how I do that working with, with the people that I do, working one-on-one -on -one with them, they, they receive a customized, so the onboarding process involves some pre-work, which is basically um, that opportunity to dive into um, a snapshot of what you're experiencing right now. So um, it's looking into symptoms you might be experiencing, um, what your lifestyle is like, and, and it's basically this analysis of what's going on for you right now. So through um, my holistic program, I, I do have, um, I, I have essentially a team that I work with that I've brought on to be a part of my program. So the physical aspect is really um, working with a certified nutritionist and a, a certified uh, personal trainer to create a customized uh, meal plan and a customized movement plan over the time that we're going to be working together, all about creating that balance within your body, balancing your hormones, providing the, the right space for, again, your body to hold that regulated nervous system. So just as an example for that, B vitamins are huge for anxiety. So if you're not receiving enough B vitamins, again, your body is going to, is going to be dysregulated. So that's, that's just one example of the nutrition side of things. And again, everything is, is customized. So if someone has a specific um, way that they eat or allergies or things like that, that will all be addressed and customized because food and movement, again, are such a huge aspect of our health and our well-being that we want it to be something that you enjoy and look forward to. It's not going to be a diet. It's not going to be um, this workout that you hate and don't look forward to. Um, we, we're trying to create that, that sustainability right. and something that you're excited to because it's about a lifestyle change. It's not just another, oh, here you go, like 30-day fad type thing. Um, if, you're, so if, you're, if, you're never, <laughs> if you're never going to do it, what's the point of 
Exactly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. We got to get excited about it, make it something that you love. So, um, that's kind of the physical aspect of stuff. The mindset, um, or the mind part really is, is from the one-on-one sessions working with myself. So, um, what we're doing in the sessions is again, addressing those anxious thoughts that are coming up. Um, ways that I work with clients on that is through, um, things like thought analysis, where you're just taking time to record on a worksheet, what the thought is when it was happening, how did you cope with it um, and that type of thing because what can happen in anxiety is we often we're so overwhelmed in the moment that we we can misremember or just not recall exact situations. So what I mean by that is if I ask someone, oh, how much anxiety did you experience in a week? One, how do you measure that? Two, what were the thoughts about? We might just be like, oh, I was a little anxious. Oh, I was anxious a lot. And maybe if you're saying you were anxious a lot, maybe it was one event that was really overwhelming for you, but maybe it was only like one afternoon, but it was just so impactful on you. So we're really trying to bring awareness to the mind and also to the body. So through my sessions, it's really about, it's very somatic based as well, which means within the body. So when we're experiencing anxiety, a lot of times we're very much in our head, our thoughts are racing. Um, So it's about bringing it back into the body. And the sessions are really about meant to be about holding a safe space on, on a consistent basis to provide a safe space for your body to know what that safety and peace feels like. Because often what can happen, especially in the first few sessions, anxiety can become like a background noise that we just hold on to and we experience as like a daily part of our lives. And it's not until maybe someone holds that space and guides us through into like a relaxation or feeling what that feeling feels like in our body. And maybe we don't experience that until someone's holding that space with us and for us. And so a lot of the times I'll have clients say that like, other than the hour that they have with me, they don't feel that way throughout their weeks. And so what we want to do is teach them how to care, how to carry that peace. Or again, it's not about always feeling happy or always feeling peaceful. It's about empowering them to know what it is they're feeling when, and then how to move through that on their own. So that's really what I'm trying to hold the space for in the sessions. And then lastly, the spirit. So there are energy healing sessions as part of my program as well. So another way that anxiety can be stored in the body, and this is really the multidimensional aspect of the program, um, is there can be things related to, um, things that are beyond kind of our human capacity to, to share or even to remember. So um, if it's something maybe in our childhood that we don't have that mental capacity either to remember or, or maybe based on tra- trauma, we don't remember. Um, so the energy goes beyond that. The energy um, is able to be shifted in that capacity. And also uh, just taking a little bit further with the multidimensionality, um, if it's something related to like a past life or something that we've brought forward into this life, um, then that can be addressed through the energy healing sessions as as well. So there's a lot more I could, I could dive into about the program, but that's, that's essentially the, how the three components of the holistic aspect are set up. So you had mentioned a little while ago, just about the connection that you can have with nature for healing. Can you talk a little bit about how you have found this connection between healing and nature? And for those who have no idea, even what this is about, how healing can occur through nature and what might be some examples that people can use in their life. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that question. So essentially I had gotten into, um, it it really was coincidental how I got into experiencing nature as therapy. When I, I actually ended up going on stress leave from my job last year. And so I was off for quite a few months. And during that time, it was the weather, um, like, like I'm here in Canada. And so we have the different seasons. And at the time it was going, it was spring going into summer. And so having the time and space to be resting at home and unwinding, I noticed that on the days that I would be outside in the sunshine, I would feel so much better than the days that I was maybe inside or like in my basement or whatever it was. And so it was just coincidental. And I I ended up coming across something and reading about um, grounding, which for anyone who doesn't know, grounding is essentially when you're putting your bare feet out in either the grass or the soil out in nature. Um, And I started reading about how the scientists are now actually studying the benefits of being in nature. Um, And I just thought that was so fascinating because I'm such a... I'm, I'm very, very spiritual, but I'm also very scientific. So I love when they collaborate together. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought what an amazing thing to be studying nature as a healing tool. So I started diving into that research and, and just finding how, um, what happens with the grounding is that it has to do with the positive and negative ions and the energetic exchange, um, from our human body, from the, the energetic fields of the earth and how it actually, it does bring our body back into balance. And I, I'm definitely definitely not the best at explaining, um, like the science behind things or, or different things like that as well with the highly sensitive traits. Like I I would say, just research that on your own and see if you resonate with it. Um, I'm more, I, I, I'm never good at remembering all of the, um, like articles and logistics behind things. Um, but yeah, with, with the nature healing, it just was coincidental. And then I, I researched it for myself and found, um, I just started experimenting. So I was finding that again, the direct sunlight on my skin, having my feet in the grass was so healing. And then I really was just learning from nature, um, that stillness and, and just how to be still, because I think that's such, such a thing. Our, our world is so fast, fast paced nowadays. Um, there's so much stimulation. There's so much going on. And if we often, when I first started doing it, I'd sit outside and, and my attention span was so short and I was so distracted. Um, and it really taught me how to turn inwards, how to be still with myself. And through that was just so healing not only for my anxiety, but again, all of my well-being. So again, lots of science nowadays on, on the benefits of being in nature and healing. And so some of the ways that people can do that one, again, one of the reasons I love nature healing so much is because, sorry, my cat's just about to jump up on this plant here. Um, one of the reasons I love nature healing so much is because it's a free resource. So again, just in that value of accessibility and um, affordability, nature is free. So some of the ways that that, um, either I work with clients or that I tell, I will teach clients to do at home again, simple things, even just stepping outside for like five minutes or for five breaths each day, um, can be so healing. So breathing fresh air outside sunlight on your skin for minimum 20 minutes. One, if the sun is out and two, if it's not too cold or rainy or whatever it is, um, but direct sunlight on skin, um, is very healing. Again, there's science to back that up as well. Um, getting your feet again, either in um, soil or grass again for even a few breaths five minutes if you can so beneficial so healing some of the other ways that are more um, of activity based things some people those are more of kind of the stillness or kind of quick things you can even do throughout the day Um, some of the other things can include like gardening 
can include maybe walking your dogs or again, just walking through nature, like walking. One of the things we do at our retreats is a walking forest meditation. Um, so just being silent, walking through the forest, observing what's going on some of the other ways that, especially now as the seasons are changing, going into, into winter, you can actually, actually bring nature therapy essentially inside. Um, so having plants around, even on technology, creating your background, um, as like a landscape or a photo that you've taken of like flowers or trees or water or whatever it is, mountains. Um, there's benefits that even just looking at photos of nature is still beneficial, even if it's through a screen. So if you don't have the time and space, um, to, to be getting outside or, or you're not ready to create that time, even just having, if you're working from home, you've got your desk, having it by a window that you can look out or again, bringing nature inside. So having plants around changing your desktop backgrounds or phone backgrounds and stuff like that as well. You know, as, uh, I live in Southern Ontario as well. And many of my listeners are from Canada as well. You know, this isn't as fun of a time to get outside. So I think some <laughs> of those tips that you've given, you know, putting some screen of nature or what, any other tips that you might have to kind of get over that kind of connection to nature in the cold weather? Yeah, totally. So, um, speaking of cold, um, that's actually one of the biggest ways that you can practice nervous system regulation as well, um, is through the cold. So it's often when people want to explore last because they hate the idea of being cold. Um, again, especially if you're going to be experiencing some snow as we go into the winter. However, there's, again, there's a ton of research. I, I won't dive into it. And again, I don't even know, um, all of it, but if you, if you are curious to look up cold plunges and nervous system regulation, I'd highly recommend doing that. So th that just reminded me of it because there, there is benefit in the cold as well through nature. So we, again, we often are, um, we, our first instinct isn't to run out into the cold. Um, but even if it's for a few deep breaths in, in the winter to just step outside of your door, take those deep breaths in and long exhales out, even if it's three breaths, if it's five, great. Um, if it's longer, what you'll notice is it likely will be harder to take those at first. And that's the regulation is learning to calm yourself down to be able to take those deep breaths. And you can also do that through, again, the actual ice plunges. So a lot of people will um, create like a tub to go in um, with, with ice and cold water. Um, if there is a ton of snow, you can even just jump right into the snow and do it that way. Um, so there's a ton of um, cool ways to do ice plunges, but that's a great way to actually help anxiety. And just a quick tip as well, if you're experiencing like an anxiety attack or a panic attack, one of the best ways is actually to introduce cold to your body to, to kind of snap your system out of those, um, out of that experience. So either by holding cold ice cubes, running your hands under very cold water, or even jumping into a cold shower, um, because it forces your body to, to regulate its breath and come back to the present moment. So a little bit of a tangent, but with the nature therapy and the cold, again, even just getting outside for some deep breaths, going for a quick walk. And again, then using technology to change those backgrounds to nature as well. And then even getting excited about like, if someone's more into like activities, doing things like skiing, snowboarding, tobogganing, things like that, like fun things that you can go out and do in the winter can be a great way to get outside as well. You had mentioned uh, just briefly there about kind of connection with breathing. And I was listening to a podcast last night and I don't know if you've ever come across this about four, seven, eight breathing technique. Yes. Yeah. It's, it was quite interesting. And have you used something like that in kind of with your clients? 
Yeah, absolutely. What I love about breathwork as well, that's a really good point as well, um, is breathwork is another thing that's free, right? So it's accessible Mm -hmm. to us. It's something that we can do anywhere. So that plus nature is just like a, such an amazing uh, healing opportunity, but yeah, the breathwork is really great. So, so that one that you mentioned is a really great one. Another there's, I mean, there's honestly tons. And one of the, one of the other ones that I think of too, Michael is it's not so much breathing, but it's, it's a tangible, quick anxiety exercise that people can do as well. I'm not sure if you've heard of the five, four, three, two, one, where it's like naming five things that you can see four things that you can touch. And it's related to the senses. And so what it does is it's meant oftentimes anxiety is, is taking us outside of the present moment. So we're, we're worrying about something beyond what is happening in that moment. So when we do the five, four, three, two, one method, it allows us to use our five senses to get back into the moment. So five things we can see, four things we can touch. You can play up with the senses too. It could be two things you could smell, one thing you could taste um, and things like that as well. So I love these simple, quick exercises that people can take with them as well. Can you talk a little for a few moments about psycho spiritual healing? You you talked a little bit about that kind of spiritual side, but for someone who's never heard that term before, what is it? And what are some of your specific types of healing that you would use for your clients under this kind of umbrella? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, the psycho spiritual, um, is, is really about that holistic approach. So as I've talked about before, it's encompassing that mind, um, body and spirit. So I, I tend to, Unfortunately, I find a lot of uh, the time nowadays, there are a lot of buzzwords. So I don't love the word word holistic. I think everybody uses that, but it truly does um, embody what I'm trying to say. Um, And then same with psycho-spiritual. A lot of people say that, but they might, it's just such a buzzword. And especially spirituality, spirituality these days, I think this is a great time to just point out as well that a lot of people in the spiritual spiritual world, especially in coaching and things like that, they experience what's called spiritual bypassing. And I'm not sure if that's something you've heard of before, Michael, but no. spiritual bypassing is essentially it's it's you'll you'll hear terms like positive vibes only, um, or essentially like everything happens for a reason and I do believe that last one, but it's there it's terminology and spaces where it's it's um I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, but it's, it's basically stepping away from our humanness and just sugarcoating everything. So, um, without, as humans, we are again, multidimensional, we experience humanness, spirituality, there's not good and bad, but there's a spectrum of emotions. There's a spectrum of experiences. Um, and there are cycles as part of our life. So to me, the holistic and psycho spiritual approach is embodying all that is human, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. It's, it's talking about it and holding that safe space. Um, again, to remove that shame and, and remove that stigma where if we're saying good vibes only, um, and that type of stuff, it's what we're, it's things like spiritual bypassing or toxic pos- positivity, where often what can happen. And again, this is from my own lived experience as well. When I had started yoga, I, I went on for probably two or three years holding this toxic positivity of, oh, nothing's wrong and, and all these things. And then um, it gets to a point where you really have to address what, what we call our shadow. And it's, it's really that um, those experiences that we're repressing and we're not dealing with. So to me, the psycho-spiritual aspect is really just embracing, again, all that is human. And, and there are no limits that, there, sorry, there are no topics that are off limits. I'm here to hold space for everything. And if if I have an experience, I probably know someone else that, that does. And again, I think that's why um, I'm so passionate about holding this space is because 
again, even in my experience, I remember going to therapists and it just felt like they were reading from a textbook, putting me in a box and, and they had no idea of what I was talking about. And so often the feedback I hear from the people I'm working with is like, oh my gosh, like you get it. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, um, it doesn't feel like I also try to remove that hierarchy. I'm I'm not I'm no better than you. I'm no I'm not up on this higher like power level or anything like that. We're here as humans and that's where I want to meet you is is human to human and I'm just here to hold that space for you. No, that's a, a very great approach for anyone who's looking for that kind of healing. You know, with any kind of goal, doesn't matter what it is, uh, there's always a maintenance aspect that's extremely important to help, you know, that progression of finishing to your goal. So what are your suggestions for maintenance for some of your clients? Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And um, just to share on that term of maintenance, I think it's important. And, and we we referenced this in the beginning when we were chatting. There's no, there's no simple fix. So there's no pill you can take. There's no quick fix to anything. Um, any sustainable changes that we're wanting to make in our life um, are going to happen over time and with consistency. So that's one of the reasons when I'm working with, with someone specifically one-on-one, I work with them for a minimum of 12 weeks. So I don't take one-on-one one sessions as one-offs because I'm, I'm looking to work with people that are committed to, to their growth and those lifestyle changes that they're looking to change. And, and I understand that again, there, there are barriers to, um, financial things and things like that. And one of the things that I like to say is that when we're ready, we will invest in ourselves in that way. Um, and on that note as well, I working in the field that I do, full time um i can completely acknowledge that that people such people experiencing like receiving odsp um and things like that there are are again failures in our systems of care that are limiting in terms of finances. So I'm willing to work with people. Um, I'll never turn someone away based on money. And at the same time, I do want to be working only with what I call my dream clients, who are people who are ready to make those consistent changes and move forward. So um, in terms of the maintenance, sorry, I had to remember what the question was. <laughs> Again, I go on these tangents. Um, but in terms of the maintenance, I, I recommend to people that they can continue to be part of the membership that I offer, as it, which is a weekly touch base. Um, they are actually able to, to reach out to me as well. So they have like lifetime um, support from me in terms of reaching out. I think it's important to remember that any... Any healing healing that we do happens in layers. So each thing that we experience is going to bring us to a new version of ourself. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're at the end point or that end goal. It is that maintenance of how we choose to move forward with it. And I really think that a huge part of that is having a community of support around you, which is why I view Lavender Tusk not only as like, I don't just take one-on-one clients. I have memberships. I have retreats um, because, and, and often people are, there's overlap. It's the same people showing up to the same things because I'm trying to build that, again, the consistency, the support and community um, to help people move forward. And it's so amazing to see um, them then reaching out to each other, be outside of even the offerings that I'm holding space in. Um, so I think in terms of maintenance, it's it's so important to have supports in place. I also will just add in, I think time management um, and planning is huge, which is is our things like real world, real world solutions that I work with people on as well. 
But yeah, those are kind of the main things is, is like support. And again, through working with someone, a lot of it is mindset. So often what happens is we know what we want to do. We know that we should like quote eat better. We know we should be moving our body. Um, a lot of the time it comes down to that motivation and it's more of that accountability and mindset. And again, having a support system can be so helpful in that as well. What other uh, tips or resources would you suggest anyone listening today to go to for any help they're having or they need in their healing journey? Absolutely. Yes. I think that's such a great um, question. So I think that Instagram is of course a huge thing nowadays um, through social media. I think there are so many great accounts to check out. So I do actually have some, um, a resource list that I'm going to be posting on my Instagram coming up soon um, with a bunch of free resources. So depending on the actual topic, um, I think it would, it would depend what I'm wanting to share. So for example, for like high sensitivity, I would definitely check out Dr. Elaine Aaron and all of her, her facts. There's a great blog um, as well called Highly Sensitive Refuge, and they have a ton of articles, a ton of resources and places to go. With anxiety, there's again a ton of um a ton of Instagram accounts that you check can check out for things on anxiety. There is a free program um, called Bounce Back. If you haven't checked that out, I would recommend that as well. I forget how long it is, it might be a six-week program, um, but it's free and it's all about it's all about overcoming that that anxiety. So a great free resource for people. I guess another tip again is just to get outside. Um, I just, I think nature is so huge. Um, again, we're inside, we're alone these days. So get outside bonus. If you can have like a dog with you or a friend or something like that. Um, but honestly, just being in nature, I think food and nature are such underrated things for our health and well-being these days, as well as community. So, so I would say just connecting with people that find something you're passionate about and, and connect. And, um, I, I guess the last thing I just want to share, not so much a resource, but just a tip is that if, if you're feeling like you're experiencing that, um, like dissatisfaction in your life and, Again, I know not everyone has the opportunity to work with someone kind of one-on-one and things like that, but I'd say just taking the time to do almost like a self-inventory of your life. So not only like, okay, what am I eating? Like, how is my physical body? But like, what is my mindset at? What is my environment like? What, like, am I do I like where I am in t- and not only in relationships, but sensory environments. So like, do I like the color of my curtains? Do I like the way my bed sheets look? Um, do I like the art on my walls? Things like that. Create, create a life that you again, look forward to you're excited about and that type of thing. And I think just that is a, a simple way to shift how you're feeling moving forward as well. So again, I'm not always good off the top of my head with like tips and resources, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's helpful as well. So before we get to the last few questions, I just want to thank you uh, for coming on today and, and thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, I, I can sense the passion that you have. And I think a lot of people would agree that there's a lot of people out there who are struggling with anxiety or any kind of depression. So thank you for being able to be a great support to these people who are uh, in need. Thank so, you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so where can people go online to find you and what's the best way to stay in touch with you? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I do have a website um, that's up. So it's lavendertusk.com. Um, my Instagram as well is at lavendertusk. Um, I do have a Facebook page, but to be honest, it's not very active. Um, I do have a Facebook group, um, which is the Lavender Tusk community. Um, so that's just, that is actually another free resource that people can join. Um, I just share tips and tricks and um, other resources from other people that are sharing on, on Facebook. But yeah, Instagram is usually where I'm the most active. My offerings are on my website as well. Um, if you head there now, you will see there's some coming soon information. So um, I'm actually going to be off for, for the next three weeks after this week, which I'm really looking forward to um, some time to rest and reset for myself. Um, and during that time, I'm going to be um, updating my website for the new year. So it will include some new offerings, um, including a, um, a one-on-one anxiety program, um, which I'm so excited about. So um, yeah, my website or um, Instagram are the best places to find me. These next two questions I always ask towards the end of the episode. So Amanda, what's one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? I think the one thing that I want them to get out of it is that to know that they're not alone and that whatever it is you're experiencing, there is hope and it is something that you can overcome. And I think just community and holding those safe spaces um, where we can remove, have that shame um, removed, those stigmas removed is how we help create these trauma-informed spaces where people can uh, live their best life and move forward. So um, you're not alone. There is help out there. And I hope to, to chat with you if you're listening. I think that's an amazing message. And so finally, I love to ask my guests what's something they want to learn more about. And so for you, Amanda, what's something you want to learn more about? Absolutely. No, I love that. Um, I think for me, it's, uh, I, so having to start over, um, I forget if I I shared a little bit about this in the beginning, but um, through the psychotherapy program that I was taking, um, I'm actually having to start over um, from that program. So without diving too much into that, I am just looking forward to learning more about what are labeled as like mental illnesses. I don't love the word mental illness because again, to me, mental health is a spectrum. And I think that it's very individual and labels once again can be helpful or harmful. So what I'm curious to learn more about is, is just those different types of, of the mental illness on that, that spectrum of mental health um, and how to support people in, in a larger capacity. Um, so anxiety I feel is, has kind of been my stepping point in terms of mental health. And I look forward to expanding the capacity of, of people that I can be working with in the future. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today. And I hope everyone listening in can learn a little bit more about the services you provide and uh, hopefully some tips and tricks on if they are feeling anxious. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.